For 2021, we're starting our show with this new disclaimer. COVID is real. Vaccines save lives. Western medicine is the best for treating acute diseases and emergencies. If you have a medical ailment, your first call should always be to your doctor. While holistic medicine is great for a lot of things, meditation does not fix everything. We also want to remind everyone that black lives fucking matter. Trans lives fucking matter. Marijuana legalization should be accompanied by dropping past possession charges and convictions. Human trafficking is real. Systematic racism is real. White privilege is real. Holocaust deniers still exist. Neo-Nazis still exist. Whataboutism and both sides rhetoric only serves fascism. Disinformation is dangerous. Many platforms and media outlets will attempt to expose you to far-right ideas by slowly pulling you in. It is everybody's responsibility to learn the dog whistles and rhetorical tactics and to call them out when encountered. The events of January 6, 2021 were a QAnon-inspired fascist coup attempt, and we will not be silent until there are consequences. If you have any problems with this, feel free to turn the show off now. Having said that, let's get back to weird stuff and weed. Your Brain on Weird is recorded in private homes in a state where marijuana is recreationally legal. This show's content is intended for adult audiences only. Brain on Weird. I'm Jess. And I'm Sam. This is a podcast where we tell each other stories about weird stuff. And then we give each other facts and knowledge about weed. Yes. Facts and knowledge. Facts and knowledge. <laughs> and a lot of speculation. And Some guessing. And wild speculation. But that's all part of the fun. Indeed. Indeed. Well, I guess I'll start off with how are you doing? I'm doing pretty okay i had the day off from work just because and nice i uh made some pancakes with my dog and my cat and very good, very it good. was very good and yeah yeah just chilling just chilling today hell yeah so nice good yeah nice your yeah. hair looks great i like your outfit thank you and thank you. I am wearing a classic long sleeve crop top and sweatpants. Nice. It's, it's chef's kiss. Comfy. <laughs> <laughs> Devotion to the aesthetic, man. Yes. Always. Always devoted to the aesthetic. Absolutely. <laughs> I also found my hat that I lost a couple months ago. Yes. It was in between the crack of my bed and like the bureau but if I stuck my hand down from the top, I couldn't feel it. And if I looked up from the bottom, like underneath the bed, I couldn't see it. So it just like went unnoticed and I like couldn't find it. And then we rearranged our room and we moved the bed and Nick found it. And I was like crying. I was so happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is my emotional support hat. <laughs> Understandable. So that I'm that glad really you found good. your hat. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been it's been a long couple months without my hat. I couldn't find another one to replace it. Yeah, I know. Like Nick got you one, and you were like, "It's just not the same." It's just not the same. Yeah. You know, this one has like a nice like melty ash hole in it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's been through some shit. It's been through some shit. Yep. I actually think I got that at work. 
um, which is the stupid part. <laughs> so it's probably not even like fun ash. It was probably like an oil burn or something. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Oil splatter. <sighs> Anyways, uh, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's it. Thank you. You're welcome. How are you doing? <sighs> I've been. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. I've I've been. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I've been putting myself through a lot because I'm. I kind of like realized last week that uh, being unemployed is like making me kind of like unmotivated, and I'm not gonna say lazy because I don't necessarily think I'm lazy, but I, like sometimes I do feel like. I'm not doing enough. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I need to like do something to like give myself a little bit more purpose. And so I talked to my mom. I like called my mom and uh, which in hindsight, I should have just like fucking had her on the podcast to be like, mom, can you just give us like some tips for how to like get through the pandemic if you're like unemployed and you're stuck at home all the fucking time? Because my mom's like retired yeah. and um my mom's like, even though she's retired, she's not like a lazy person by any means. If you know, if you've heard anything about my mom, I know I've talked about my mom on the show. Like, she's not, she needs to be active and doing stuff. So I pretty much just like called her and was like, what do you do to like keep yourself like motivated? And she like gave me like her daily routine, like what she does every morning. And uh, she told me that she's been doing a lot of like volunteering and stuff like that. So, A, I'm going to sign up to start doing volunteering, probably tomorrow, because, like, I have spent so much time looking for jobs and, like, not getting any responses when I could just be spending that time, like, doing volunteer work, and I feel like that would make me feel, like, so much better Yeah. about, like, me being at home all the fucking time and not having a job. Uh, <laughs> so, I got up this morning and, like, did yoga and, like, I meditated, like, in three sections of 10. So I did like three separate meditations. So it was like a half hour total. But like I gave oh, myself okay, a break yeah. in between. So that was wicked nice. And uh, I feel better. But I just like I had like a moment where I would like notice that something was really wrong. And I like panicked for a bit and had to like call my mom and freak out and then like readjust. Yeah. Um. So here's hoping I can make some more use out of my free time. Because like... As much time as, like, the podcast takes up, it's not the same as, like, being in front of customers and being in front of people like I was all the time. Yeah. Because that's the jobs that I always used to do, is, like, retail and, like, hotels and shit. And not being in front of people every day has made me just, like, lose my sense of, like, purpose and, like, I don't have the instant gratification of, yeah. like, talking to people. Um, so, yeah. Goddamn human interaction. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, pretty much what I need. So, uh... Yeah. Yeah. So, my, my mom told me that they're, like... You can sign up to, um... Like, help teach people how to read and, um... How to, like, do everyday things that they haven't necessarily, like... Had the privilege or, like, had the ability to do, like... Take a train or, um... You know, go to a job interview or something like that. So, I'm probably gonna try and do something like that. <laughs> That's really cool, man. Yeah. And really cool of you. Thanks. I feel like that's the one thing I'm missing right now. That's honestly completely fair. Anyway, yeah. so um, that's enough about my problems, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my point is, if you're feeling like me, A, if you have people that you can reach out to, you should just reach out to them. Because I 
suck at reaching out to my parents because like they're my parents. I don't always want to talk to them about my problems, but like my mom like was really helpful and I should have just done that like a really long time ago, to be honest. Um, yeah. And my other point is that like, if you're stuck in the pandemic, like, and you're like feeling like you're losing your sense of purpose, like maybe try and like do a little readjustment. Cause that's kind of what I had to do. Cause for a while I was like, nothing matters. I can sleep until noon. Ha ha. And now I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> we crave productivity. Productivity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we started the podcast, because we were both unemployed, and we were like, fuck. <laughs> and then you got a job, and you were like, fuck. And then I was like, fuck. Unfortunately, it pays the bills, but this True. is what keeps me going. True. In D&D. Indubitably. Yes. Um, Before I get into my story, I... uh. So my sister and brother-in-law live in Texas, and we know a lot of people that live in, like, the Midwest in general. Um, And since we live in Massachusetts, I figured we could give people who are in dealing with colder weather right now some tips on how to deal with cold weather. Oh, shit. Because we have always dealt with it. Yeah, if you have anything like that. Wow, do I ever. As someone who lived in an RV in the dead of winter for a while, I'm actually an expert. Because I'm an expert! (laughs) (laughs) The first thing you want to do... Okay, okay, so, like, there's, like, no heat in places and there's no power in places. And Mm -hmm. it's really fucking cold anyways, If even if you do. So the first thing you want to do is, like, pick one room to make, like, your base, your home base... Um, preferably a, a room with a door and as few outside facing windows as possible because that's where all the cold air is going to come from and you want a small space to try to heat instead of a large space to try to heat. If you have power and you have an access to your stove starting to boil par- pots of water is really good. Humidity makes it feel warmer. It will help you to not dehydrate as fast from being cold. That's a good one. And also, it's like, it feels warmer, so that's good. You can also, like, use it for, like, tea and shit. Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. If you have, like, heating pads and stuff that you can, like, microwave, that's really good. I have one. I call it my hot corn sack. Um, (laughs) But if you don't, you can microwave, like, a sock full of dried beans or lentils or even rice. And, like, that's really good for uh, just, like keeping your heat in uh cover your windows cover the cracks Mm -hmm. in your doors get all of your blankets in one spot and then huddle up in a corner yes (laughs) candles give off a surprising amount of heat if you have a safe way to burn candles like even tea lights will provide some heat and it can help take the edge off on like a biting cold yeah yeah um, the other thing I was gonna, I was thinking when you said that is, isn't there like a trick where you can take like a terracotta pot and like put like tea lights inside a terracotta pot and that almost like creates like a, it's like creates radiation and so it like extends the heat? Oh yeah, so I think the way that works is like the tea light helps warm up the pot mm-hmm. a little bit. So it's not just the tea light giving off heat, it's also the pot. Yeah, if you have any of those lying around. Yeah, I don't remember how to do I it, but know I know you can like probably look it up. 
I love candles. Candles are essential. Me too. Um, yeah. I, I mean, like, we always have candles around in case we lose power and stuff. And mm-hmm. I also have tons of battery-powered lights. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. Yes. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, what else is good? Do not drink alcohol. I know you might be tempted because you're going to feel warm, but don't. It actually makes you way more susceptible to hypothermia by drinking alcohol. So do not drink alcohol. It is very bad. That checks out. Uh, Don't put hot water on your windshield. Don't put water on your windshield. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. If your windshield freezes and you need to unfreeze it quickly, you can mix... Or you can put vinegar in a spray bottle and, like, spray your windshield. Oh, okay. Because... Weird. You, what you're trying to do is, like, lower the freezing point. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to put, like, salt on your windshield or anything like that. <laughs> Which is the the other thing that would yeah. defrost it. Weird. Oh, I was going to say those... Um... Those little, the hand warmer packets, the body warmer packets that you can get. Yes. You can find them, like, pretty much, I mean, almost anywhere, I mean, in our area. I'm sure you can't find them anywhere in fucking Texas, but I'm sure you can order them. Um, they're, like, hand warmers. They're these little packets, and you, like, open them, and you shake them up, and they, they're really hot, actually. You're not supposed to put them directly on your skin. Yeah. But they'll give you heat for oh, 10 hours. Those are great. Yeah. I love those. You can just shove them, like, in your clothes. Mm-hmm. Those great. are great. Those are awesome. Yep. Anything else? Man. I don't know. What else? Um, uh, um, oh, yeah. Dress in layers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Multiple pairs of pants, socks, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, gloves, like, and then get under several blankets. Yeah. Break out your sleeping bag from camping. Yeah. If you have pets, cuddle with them. If you have family members, cuddle with them. Yes confine everyone to the same room so your body heat only heats that space it's very good. oh yeah oh yeah yeah that's yeah. a good one nice i've been thinking about making a post about this for you, a couple you, days you should man you so, should <laughs> if you have time to like sit down and write it out i mean yeah um so when i lived in my rv i think the coldest it got was like zero and i slept in the upper portion that was like above the driving seat because there was a curtain that went across and I just like piled and lined the the inside of it with blankets and pillows and shit and I had like 10 blankets on my bed and I had a safe spot and I had like one giant jar candle and Artemis Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we like slept in there and like we're fine yeah well the one time that I slept in in your RV with you um, in the middle of winter, I think it got down to like 30 that night and I was fine. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. totally fine, dude. And my, my dad was like, you did what? Like you slept in our feet, like with Sam in the middle of winter. I was like, yes. And it was well, fine. It was fine. We were not expecting it to be that cold. No, that we weren't. No. <laughs> so that was unfortunate. And Caitlin was very cold, but mm. that's because she had the back bed. Oh. And that one has, like, a lot more, um, it's a lot draftier back there with that window. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Damn. No, I was, uh, dude, yeah. if you, if you, like, do want to type up something, we, like, have the website that has a blog section, so. 
if you okay, don't want to put it on your Twitter, which I can like understand not wanting to put it on your Twitter. I mean, my my Twitter account's locked right now anyway. Yeah, so exactly. No yeah. one would be able to share it. Yeah. So we can share it on the podcast Twitter though. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds good. Word. Worm. Nick has threatened to divorce me if I say that anymore. He hates Dramatic. it. Dramatic. Come on. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. What? <laughs> Worm. <laughs> Stupid. Dumbest shit I ever heard in my entire life. Oh, worm. That's not very nice. That's it, I'm out. <laughs> he guessed it, though. He knows. <laughs> he he doesn't think it's as funny as we do. Why not? Hater. I don't know. Hater. Jay Hater. also thinks it's really funny, so we Good. can just hang out with them. Yeah. Whatever. If you know what we're talking about, it's saying worm in the place of word. Just because. Just because. Worm. 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 Also, like, you don't think schnick's funny, but everybody else I know. <sighs> schnick. So. The Shrek filter on Snapchat, and he does this. Oh, no. It's not even a Scottish accent. It's just worst, a really bad the accent. Shrek the worst Shrek impress- impression, ever. and I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> and I'm like, do not send me that. Do not do that around me. Worm. I hate it already. I hate the bit. I hate the bit. <laughs> yeah, do that on your YouTube channel, Nick. Uh, Grit said do it on your YouTube channel. Uh, do a Pokemon card. I'm sure somebody, there's Nick. some niche, there's some niche that would just love that. I'm sure. All right. All right. I'm sending you this picture of this puppy. Okay. While you do that, I'm going to ask you, how are you doing on hydration today? Oh, actually, I'm fairly hydrated. I woke up this morning yeah. and I chugged a bottle of water and then I drank a Red Bull and then I drank some coffee and then I drank like another half a bottle of water and now I'm having more coffee and drinking the other half of my water. Nice. So I've had a lot to drink and only half of it has been water, but I think that's I mean, still pretty good. That is pretty good. That is pretty good. Yes. How are you hydrated? Hydrate or die. <laughs> All right. Hydrate uh, or die. <laughs> uh, Believe it. <laughs> oh, is that trademark? It might Don't be. Sue me. It might be. Don't sue me, Naruto. That's so funny. Okay. Um, I've drank a decent amount of water today, actually, because um, when I got up this morning to do my like meditation, yoga, journaling, whatever, I was like, I got to chug some water while I do all this. And it was pretty warm in our apartment when I got up this morning, so I was, like, chugging cold water. Hell yeah. So I think I'm probably on my fifth big cup, actually. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing pretty good. Um, Plus, you have multiple beverages now. Yes. I am almost done with my coffee, which is iced coffee, so it has ice in it, which is water, in colder form. Uh, yes, it is It is water that has not yet melted. Correct. I believe you said earlier. That's what I said earlier, yes. TM, 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 TM. Nobody take that. That's mine. That's mine. <laughs> That's, that one's mine. And then I have an artifact craft cider. It's a hard cider. It's called Feels Like Home, and it's got buffalo plaid on the outside, and it's great. Or I'm actually not sure yet. I haven't opened it yet, but I'm about to. So yeah, I have three beverages. Wow, I can't believe it's only four o'clock. Opening a beer at four o'clock. Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. It's a special occasion. It's recording. Dude. I'm saying it. All right. All right. Well, do you have any other updates or anything like that before we get into it? I don't think so. All right. Word. If I did, 
I forgot about them. So <laughs> sounds great. I I thought about late. something earlier that I wanted to say, and all I can remember is that I thought about it. Well, shit. But I don't remember what the thing was. It was like, yeah, I, I re- was like, remember this, and I was like, okay, but then I was trying so hard to remember it that I still forgot it. Yep, that sounds right. God damn it. All right. Well, if you at any point remember it, you just you just let me know. Okay. Thank you. Just let me know. Thank you for the support. You're so welcome. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Get nice and comfy here. I did my notes on paper. Oh, wow. Old fashion. We'd love to see it. Yes. And uh, newsflash, my handwriting is still absolute fire after a wicked long time of not writing. I don't know if you can see this. Wow. My handwriting's pretty fucking nice. Thanks to my grandmother, who was an English teacher and taught me how to write really nice cursive. Nice. My handwriting is garbage. Sometimes I can't even read my own notes. When I try really hard, I can, like, make it look nice. Yeah, yeah. If I go really slow. (laughs) Like, embarrassingly slow. Yep. That, uh, that makes sense. See, if you, well, if it makes you feel any better... Most people can't read my handwriting, or no, I'm not going to say most people. A lot of people can't read my handwriting because it's cursive. Oh, yeah. A, the younger generation is not le- learning cursive, and B, a lot of people did not learn cursive in school. So, a lot of times I get, oh, like, I can't read this, and I'm like, oh, shit. And then I have to rewrite it, which is fine. Yeah, that's fair. My handwriting is also a weird mix of cursive and capital letters Ooh, eclectic yes <laughs> it's the letters that i don't know in cursive that's fair z <laughs> z absolutely which i had to learn i had no choice that is so sad damn it man do you know how long it took me to even spell my last name bullshit okay i'm ready all right so i'm actually pretty stoked to do this um i was gonna wait to talk about this until I had one of my friends come over and tell us some of uh, their experiences at this place we're about to talk about, but um, we're in the middle of a pandemic and that's probably never going to happen. And I got impatient. So (laughs) yeah, that's fair. Yes. So this is a local thing. This is another weird Massachusetts thing, another weird New England thing. And this is the Bridgewater Triangle. Yes. And... We live, I mean, well, yeah, most people in Massachusetts live pretty close to the Bridgewater Triangle. It's, like, pretty accessible. The Bridgewater Hexagon now? (laughs) Yeah. So, actually, now that you said that, um, this is actually going to be two parts, because I got through half the information and realized that I already had five pages of notes. Oh, shit. Oh, word. I'm going to do part one. This week, and then two weeks from now, I'll do part two. Sick. Sounds great. I felt like I wanted to do a two-parter anyway, so this worked. Sorry, I'm so far away from the table. Okay. That is fine. Okay, so um, the Bridgewater Triangle is a 200-square-mile area in southeast Massachusetts. It is a triangle that goes between Abington, Freetown, and Rehoboth. If you look it up on a map, it's pretty easy to find. I do want to look up a, bu- a picture again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I actually know a lot of people that like live within that area. And like, I didn't grow, I didn't grow up very far from here. So yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and the, the other, <clears throat> the other thing I wanted to say is that 
my main source for this was a documentary on Amazon Prime about the Bridgewater Triangle. It's literally called the Bridgewater Triangle. I'm pretty sure it's the only one on there. Um, and it was pretty good, but I would like to warn our fellow Satanists, if there are any, that they obviously jump straight to satanic rituals with a lot of the stuff they talk about. Of course. Um, which, you know, we're not huge supporters of, but it's fine. <sighs> so that was my source. So I guess we need to start with the history of the area, which we've talked about a whole bunch of times when we talk about like we're New England, we talk about, um, you know, colonizers and settlers and Native Americans and all of the conflict that happened. Mm. Obviously, a whole lot of the lore around the Bridgewater Triangle connects back to Native American lore and uh, also racism. <laughs> yes, I was going to say it can be a very fun subject to talk about. So the Plymouth Colony was the colony that was in this area. It, again, if you're looking at a map, Plymouth and Plymouth Rock is not far from this area at all. It's maybe like a half an hour from there. So we have the Plymouth Colony, and then we have Chief Metacomet, also known as King Philip, who was a chief, you know, Native American chief. And what ended up happening is we had King Philip's War, which was basically, you know, the Native Americans were obviously upset that people were coming in and taking over everything and killing people and so on and so forth. So King Philip led a raid and they attacked a whole bunch of settlements. And obviously the settlers ended up getting upset at that. So they killed King Philip and they beheaded him. And they put his head on a pike in front of Plymouth Colony, and it was there for 20 years. Yeah, that's very classy. Which was a very typical thing. It was a very typical English thing to do as, like, a warning, um, you know, don't fuck with us kind of thing. So, um, <clears throat> But all in all, King Philip's War led to the death of 500 settlers and 3,000 Native Americans. Jesus Christ, dude. So the other thing that I want to say about this documentary that I watched is that the way that it was framed, can we guess? White people did nothing wrong. Pretty much. And you're like, like King Philip's War was, you know, the most brutal war and all of these people were killed and women and children died on both sides and... You know, it, the Native Americans were still slaughtered in compared to the colonists, though. Like, like what, it was five hundred versus three thousand. Yeah, so, that's a pretty big difference. Jesus um, Christ! And the other thing is, the Native Americans were sold into slavery, which the the documentary did bring up. You know, they were like, it's really awful that Native Americans were sold into slavery after all of this. You know, King Philip's partner and children were sold into slavery, and Obviously, they brought that up, but then it turns into the Native Americans put a curse on the settlers and the colonizers for doing all this awful stuff to them. Mm. So I guess that's just something to keep in mind as we continue on with the story. Just keep in mind the culture that is behind all of this and the people that died and uh, reminder that white people suck. Anyway, <clears throat> let's move on to... An area of the Bridgewater Triangle called Hockamock Swamp. Swamp? Swamp. Swamp. Hockamock Swamp. Get out of the swamp. 
Wow. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Are you just talking about Shrek? No, no. Shrek is love. Shrek is life. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, anyway, so within Hockamock Swamp, Hockamock Swamp is a 7,000 acre wetland. Um, it's mostly a wildlife area and a water source. And Hockamock in native language translates to place where spirits dwell. Nice. So this area is said to have been like really sacred to Native Americans because that was where they hunted. That was where they fished. That's where they like pretty much that's where their life force was. There was like water there. And so that area was sacred to them. And obviously that was where a lot of deaths happened because colonizers were trying to move in on that land. Native Americans were saying, you know, that's our, that's sacred land to us. That's where we hunt. That's where we fish. And so raids happened. And obviously there are now thousands of graves there. So obviously that leads to a whole bunch of other things. Um, So we have consistent reports in this whole area of just like feeling watched, which is like really common with like areas where weird stuff happens. And the other thing, I guess I'll just bring it up now. The other thing that you're going to see, the more we get into this, and Sam already knows, is that this is bears a lot of similarities to Skinwalker Ranch. Like, a lot. I just think that's really interesting. So, not only do you have, like, a really uncomfortable feeling that you get, um, there's a lot of cryptid sightings, there's hauntings, obviously, there's UFOs, weird lights... Uh, it's like pretty much the same thing. It's just not as aggressive. I'm gonna yeah. say, yeah, one hundred percent less mutilated cattle. Apparently, that is a thing that happens. God damn it! <laughs> Spoiler Never alert. Mind. Apparently, that is a thing that happens. Well, okay. So yeah, I guess. I guess when I say it's not as aggressive, I feel like it's maybe it's not as centralized. Like it's not like it's just one family. It's just a whole bunch of like individual reports anyway i don't know okay yeah 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 whatever so the first report i'm going to mention is 1970 uh carlston wood was walking around i guess with his friends hockamock swamp and it was in winter so the swamp was frozen and you know it was ice so they would just walk really deep into the swamp and they got about a mile in and one of the boys just started like screaming and like freaking out (laughs) and he said he saw a big hairy man and all the kids look and they all see it and they all turn and run. So here we have Bigfoot sightings. Nice. Boom. <laughs> and actually there's there's a, a few people that I know of that I've like talked to on social media that go Bigfoot hunting like in this area. So apparently it's pretty common. Bigfoot is real and he has a Boston accent. He might. <laughs> He certainly wouldn't park his car, though. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Isn't that, isn't that more New York? Yeah, I guess so. That's a good one, though. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of overlap, I feel, between the two accents. Big feet in New York. That's what they sound like. Good. Good shit. Right. Wicked. <laughs> Wicked. Do you think Bigfoot would say, go socks? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Bigfoot would hate socks. <laughs> no clothes. Me when I take my dog's collar off. You're naked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. Sorry. It's okay. Okay, so there was another sighting that was actually, it was in the uh, the Boston Herald, and it was a guy named John Baker. So I don't really know what fur trapping is, but apparently he was on a boat in the middle of the night, 
in the middle of the swamp and he was fur trapping. And he was kind of like along the edge of the swamp near like the waterline. And he's on his boat and he can hear something along the waterline like following him. And it's like at night. So he can like hear something next to his boat like walking in the trees. And he like looks over and he sees essentially a big hairy man and he's like there's no way that thing is human and he says in in the documentary he's like i knew it wasn't human and the other thing that tipped him off was that it smelled really bad ew yeah which when you hear stories about like bigfoot another name for big feet is skunk ape because they're known to smell really bad interesting yeah so that's fun uh and then there's also a lake that's within hockamock swamp which when i say a lake it's a pond. Let's be okay. honest. It's a pond. And apparently there was a sighting where there was a bunch of guys that were on a boat and they were getting closer to this little island that's in the middle of the lake. And they looked on the island and they saw a bunch of basically little chimpanzees like running around on the island. Oh, shit. Like they were orange. Oh, shit. Almost like, like orangutans. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. So that's fun. That is fun. So among... The Bigfoot sightings. There are also Thunderbird sightings. Ooh, love that. Yes. Um, which Thunderbirds have... Um, that's very based in like Native American lore and culture is Thunderbirds. So mm-hmm. um, I just think that's interesting. But basically they're described as like kind of looking like raptors. Like they almost look like dinosaurs, I guess. And they have huge wings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, in 1971, Thomas Downey was in Mansfield and saw a huge raptor-like creature with wings slowly lift up, lift up off the ground and fly away. Oh, shit. That's basically it. And the interesting thing about this is that it happened at a place called Bird Hill, which then, like, makes you kind of start to think, like, okay, it was probably named that before this sighting happened. <laughs> so, like, why was it named that? Is it in any way connected? Like, it's just kind of weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And apparently the guy, this Thomas Downey guy, had always declined requests for interviews. Like, everybody that went to him and said, I want to talk to you about this sighting, he would say, no, I don't want to talk about it. Which, like, makes it more credible almost. So there's the Thunderbirds. There's uh, stories about huge snakes in the woods, like giant mm-hmm. snakes. Um, that go back to, like, I think the early 1900s. It's just dumb white people (laughs) releasing their pets into the wild when they get too big. Okay, that's an interesting point, because I'm about to talk about the Mansfield Mystery Cat. Okay. And the Mansfield Mystery Cat is basically just a huge cat that would never, ever be in Massachusetts ever for any reason. And there was one sighting in Easton that was just like an African cat, basically, like an exotic cat wow and i'm pretty sure that one was dismissed as being a pet which that like makes the most sense to me is is people getting exotic pets and then releasing them yeah i mean the area is like not super highly populated but there's enough people to where you could have a pet like that it could escape and it could scare a few people and i mean this this african the african cat that was in Easton was found dead oh shit then yeah yeah so i mean that makes the most sense to me i don't really know about those but yeah there's a good amount of wealthy people in that area people who See, can that's... afford something like that exactly like we're like yeah 
it's yeah. like pretty suburban and that that another reason why i think the snakes could be that because like i feel like that is just so common to hear like someone just like gets a snake they just like find like this gigantic snake and it's like oh it's a, not a species common to the area and it's just because someone fucking bought a snake didn't know how to take care of it and they're like i'm just gonna release it yep don't do that yep don't do that it's more common than you think. It might be an invasive species. You could really fuck up the local ecology. Yep. And cryptology, you know? Yes. God. Yes. So inconsiderate. Although, wait, the next, the next one might... Oof, I don't know. The next one might be able to fuck up whatever. Because apparently in 1976, there was a man who watched a dog that was as big as his horses attack his horses and kill it. Jesus, fuck. All right. And this wasn't the thing that reminded me the most of Skimwalker Ranch, because apparently he tried to shoot at it, and it didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just, like, ran away. Huge fucking dog. As big as a horse. Like, that's, that's How- quite large. Okay. I was I was reading something the other day that horses weren't act- aren't actually that big. I don't know, man. The ones I've stood next to, like, if I was next to a dog that was that big... Like, okay, like, I'm thinking, like, Xerxes. Like, that's a big dog. Yeah. And the dog that the the Great Dane that my, my parents' friend has. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's a big dog. But I'm thinking, like, a horse. Like, a horse is, like, their back is at, is at my neck. Right? Yes. <laughs> like, that's scary. All right. All right. So I guess they can be as small as like 840 pounds. And like the big ones get up to like over a ton. So that's 20, like up to 2,200 pounds. Yeah. So I guess there's like a really large range of horses. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't imagine an 800 pound dog. That is also fair. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I guess yeah. the muscle density probably isn't there. Yeah, anyway, it's definitely we don't need a little to different. It's fine. This. It's fine. <laughs> I have to call Allie. <laughs> I've met a couple horses before, and I feel like some of them can be like small. I mean, they'd still like kill you if they kicked mm-hmm. you, but like, oh shit! I think that uh, I think that Allie actually lives within the Bridgewater Triangle. Now that I think about it, yeah, absolutely. And Allie has horses. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. The next story is the one that creeps me out. Okay. Out of this first part, at least. So there's a guy named William Russo who used to live in Raynham. And this was in the 1980s, 1990s. And apparently one night he came home from work and he decided to walk his dog like he normally did. And so it was, you know, dark outside. And they normally would go one way. But for some reason, of course, this time they decided to go a different way. Um... So he actually, he described um, walking through, you know, the areas that have power lines where they just like chopped down all the trees, mm-hmm. those like weird kind of like in between areas. He described like walking through one of those. And then when he got to the other side, there was like a street and there was a street light. And all of a sudden his dog started like freaking out and like shaking and just like looking really scared. And they stopped walking and they're like standing there. And all of a sudden he hears like this whiny, like really quiet voice. I don't want to do it because it's creep because it creeps me out. I don't want to do it. But it's like, Ewan Chu, Ewan Chu, Ewan Chu, Kia, Kia. Oh, 
Yeah. It's literally like what it sounded like. I guess is what he said. Oh my god, dude. <sighs> I hate it. I know, me too. And he does that a whole bunch of times in the documentary, and I'm like, stop. So he hears this, and he looks under the streetlight, and this thing walks out underneath the streetlight, and it's like the size of a child. It's pretty short, but it's covered in hair. It's standing straight up, upright. And uh, he said that its face kind of looked like a chipmunk. <laughs> but he thought it looked like it was older. Because it was, like, graying. graying. Yeah. yeah, like, graying around the face and shit. And he noticed that it, this thing was saying this, and it kept saying it over and over again, and it kept getting more and more insistent. And then it started, like, gesturing with its hand for him to, like, come closer. And obviously his dog is, like, losing his shit. And he, like, gets wicked scared, and he turns around, and they, like, walk away. And he says in the documentary, he's like, I almost kind of wish I had, like, walked up to it. <laughs> I always wonder, if I ever get into a situation like that, what would I do? I might be dumb enough to grab a cryptid's hand. I feel like if I was... Mm, he almost, he almost like, seemed like he was more concerned about his dog than he yeah. was about, like, himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I would be... If, like, my dog was, like, peeing herself, she was so scared, I'd be like... Oh, Okay, maybe this isn't a good idea. Yeah, because he was like, oh, yeah, I looked down at my dog, whose name was Sammy, actually. Cute. <laughs> he like, he's like, I looked down at my dog, and she was like, or he was like, shaking and like, like whining. Mm -hmm. And that was when he decided to turn around. So I think that he was like, maybe, maybe if he hadn't been with his dog, maybe he would have. Weird. Uh, <laughs> but I guess, I guess that what he thought it was saying was, we want you here. <laughs> We want you. We want you. Here. Here. With the little hand gesture. Ugh. Come here. No, thanks. Sounds fake. I don't know, man. No, no. Actually, the whole story does not sound fake. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I was going to say. No, sorry. it doesn't. I was going to say. Um, I was like, nah. -uh. No, I love this story, actually. And it always freaks it's me so, out. It's so, it's too weird to be fake. Like, I think. I could absolutely. Again, maybe oh, walking it's because, down the street at night. Yeah, maybe it's because we're also from the area. Yeah. And there is a very distinct feel. Ooh. And I've only ever felt it in like Massachusetts, parts of Rhode Island. Not so much when I was like in New Hampshire, but like there's a very distinct feeling when you're walking around at night. Mm -hmm. And like on a dark country road and there's no lights or there's like a single stoplight, like I have seen things come out of the shadows into the light. Usually it's like a skunk, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which is, but it still creeps you out when it happens. Yeah. yeah. So like, if something else came out, I would like, yeah, I would believe it to be happening and be like, "Yep, this is happening." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and the other the other thing that like makes it really credible to me is that he said that like it happened in the eighties, nineties, or whatever, and he was like, you know, I'm starting to get older. And as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that, you know, I should start sharing, like, things that have happened to me. And so I just decided one day to write a blog about this. And I guess that's where they found him, was he wrote, he wrote about this in a blog. Holy which shit. just, like, seems very, like, it's, like, super credible to me. He's like, yeah, I didn't do this for fame or clout. I just did this because this is what I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wild, man. Wild. Okay, hold on. I need to circle this and do a rearrange. This needs to go... Over here. 
Okay, other strange things that have happened. There was a woman that reported seeing a huge bonfire. Like she was on one side of, oh, this was Lake Nip, Lake Nipponicket, I think. Okay. And she was like, <laughs> he stole my space heater. Rude. <sighs> okay. Well, anyway, she was like standing on one side of uh, the lake and she was looking to the other side of the lake. And I guess it was nighttime. And she all of a sudden saw this, like, huge bonfire at the other side of the lake. And she was like, somebody, like, having a party? Like, what the hell? And just, like, this huge fire. So, uh, you know how I said, like, this lake is more of a pond. Like, it's not that big. Yeah. So she's like, I'm going to walk to the other side. So she goes around and she goes to the other side where she, like, swore that this bonfire was coming from. She walks all the way around and there's nothing there. She was like, okay, that's weird. So she goes back to where she was before and she goes all the way around. Like she does a loop. Mm -hmm. She goes back to where she was before and she looks across and she can see the fire again. Jesus Christ. And it's like right along the shoreline too. And I just like, I think that's a really weird story. So Lake Nipponicket, this little lake, also is only about eight feet deep at its deepest point. (laughs) So it's like not, yeah, it's a pond. It's a pond. But it's also where a lot of, like, really bad things have happened, like drownings, accidents, all kinds of things that you wouldn't really expect to happen in, like, a lake that's not very deep or very big. And so, obviously, that leads to, like, a ton of speculation, so on and so forth. Um, on to the Raynham Taunton dog track, which I think still exists. I don't know. I think. I didn't look it up. Maybe I should. Because it is apparently really haunted. Oh, it looks like they... It looks like they've since renovated it. Yeah. It's a Greyhound park now. Yep. So they still do dog racing. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Because in our time searching for puppies, we saw a lot of retired Greyhounds. Yeah. Racing hounds. So... That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's also a casino now. I forgot. Yeah, so they've they've done a lot of stuff to it since then. A casino! A casino! Functions, food and beverages, live entertainment, phone betting. Ew. All right. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, so apparently before it got turned into a casino, it was super haunted, and people would go there and see spook lights, which are the same, if not similar, to orbs, if I'm not mistaken. Just, like, instead of being in pictures, they're in real life. Like, little balls of light floating around. Interesting. And there was one guy that described them as being, like, the size of baseballs. And there were three of them when he saw them. And they were all, like, floating around and doing whatever. And they were all changing colors. Mm -hmm. So, like, they would change from like blue to green to orange to pink and like just keep changing colors and floating around. And he said that it seemed like they were playing with him almost like they would like come closer and then like move away. And then like, yeah. Yeah. So he thought they were sentient is what he said. Sentient orbs. And then we have glowing clouds. Interesting as well. Which I thought this one was interesting because the person who described the sighting said it was just like a glowing floating cloud at night and it was like bluish green 
Which, when I thought of that, I thought of the weird sighting that I had with Jeff in the car. Yeah. Where the whole sky just turned, like, crazy (laughs) bluish green. Yes. That was the first thing I thought of. So I'm like, what the fuck's up with that blue-green color? And apparently that was seen by multiple people. Ooh, cool. Um, ooh. Now we get to do UFOs. I love UFOs. 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 Oh, I see Ruben's little tail. Yeah. She has a stuffed UFO that she loves. Oh, that's great. Yes. Also, I refuse to call them UAPs. Come at me. Whap. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whap. No, that was going to sound that way. No, no, you're right. That's what that That that's is how is. you would pronounce it, I, w- I would think. But mm-hmm. I like UFO better. UFO. <laughs> Okay, so in 1808 in Bridgewater, conveniently on Halloween night, there was a report of an unusually bright light was the way that it was described. And apparently, I mean, it's early 1800s, so they described it as like a lantern, like a floating lantern in the sky. Nice. So that was like the earlier one or one of the earlier ones. But where it like really kicked off was in the 70s, of course. Then right. we talk about how fucking wild the 70s is. And apparently 1979 was when news stations and whatnot were getting just flooded with UFO reports. Oh, yeah. So the big one was um, there are these two guys on the on the documentary that, like, describe them seeing it. But apparently a whole bunch of people saw this thing. It was a UFO shaped like a home plate was the way that he described it. Hmm. Like, you're so Bostonian. Yeah. He's like, because I love baseball, I'm going to describe it as a home plate. I'm like, yes, you are. And it was, like, huge. And the guy said he he felt like he could almost touch it. Like, it was so close. And it flew, like, right above the, uh, right above the trees. And it had a light on the pointed part. So like when you're thinking of like a home plate, the front pointed part, it had like a huge light on the front that was just like shining directly at them as it passed over them. Holy shit. And apparently it just like kind of, it it kind of passed over them, hovered, and then it just took off. And these two guys both saw it. They were there together and they gave their accounts separately and they both matched up. But there were, over the next week, there were a whole bunch of sightings of the exact same thing. And that's what made them come forward was all these people were like freaking out about this thing that they had seen. And so these two guys were like, oh, shit, like, that's what we saw. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And it was like spread out too. like they described all the areas where this was like seen and it was like really spread out. So I thought that was really cool. Wild. Oh, and and they did like an artist rendition. So so one of the guys did his own little like. I want to say, like, sculpture of it. Mm-hmm. Just, like, a flat, home plate-shaped thing with, like, a light on it. And then when they got all the reports, they did an artist rendition. And they matched up the artist rendition with the thing that the guy had made. And he was like, that's the thing I saw! And it was that's like, the ah! thing! Oh! That's so cool. Very cool. Oh, and... Okay. So I guess there's there's one big, like, piece of documentation that somebody has of UFO stuff. And it's this guy named Derek Holt, who got video of these orbs basically floating around in the sky and uh they show the video in the documentary which actually i wonder if it's accessible online and we can just like watch it really quick because it's there's these three there are these three orbs in the sky and there's one bigger one and then there are two like smaller ones that are like 
he he like describes them as like working with each other. Mm-hmm. So the the big one is like the the, sh- the mothership, and then the two smaller ones are like. All right, dude. While you look that up, I have to pee so bad. Okay. We are stoked to tell you about our first sponsor, Anchor. If you're like us and you want to start a podcast but have no idea where to start, listen up. So when we first decided to start a podcast, we were looking for a way to put your brain on weird out to the most people um, without having to do the most work. We are so happy that we found Anchor because they distribute our show to apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts for us. This means that our listeners can find us wherever they already listen without having to download anything new. Once you're ready to get going, just create an account and start recording. They have the tools you need to record and edit your podcast. You can even edit on the go from your phone. Anchor has everything you could possibly want, including free transition sounds and photos that you can use to build your show. Not only that, but you can start making money as soon as you release your first episode. The best part is that all of this is free. So if you want to make a podcast, go to anchor.fm and get started today. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. By supporting them, you're supporting podcasts like us, too. Y'all already know what it is. Bam, 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 bam. Okay. Okay. Um, I couldn't find it, so I think it's just only in the documentary. That's fair. But yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty weird. And it does, like... It does kind of seem like they're intelligent, like the way that they're moving, like the little orb things. Yeah. So that's weird. And then the last thing that I want to talk about for part one is the part that I actually like think is the most interesting, and that is strange rocks. Strange rocks. Which there are a lot of. I love that. (laughs) Which I think is interesting considering like Plymouth Rock, which is literally the least interesting rock. Correct. On the planet. And everybody freaks out over Plymouth Rock. It's a rock. And there are so many other rocks that are so much cooler. Mm-hmm. Damn. So sad. That is so sad. I think this is, like, interesting because it's, like, it's a very, like, New England theme to have profile rocks. Like, the image for New Hampshire is, like, the, the old man, man on, on the, the mountain. mountain. Yeah. He's gone exactly. now. He died. Unfortunately. He fell. He fell. Despite restoration, restoration efforts. Oh, but they tried. They tried. They tried. They tried. Oh, I got yeah. to see it before it fell, so that was pretty cool. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. It was very cool. So we have that in New Hampshire, but then we have, well, there is one that's actually called Profile Rock. Yeah. That one is, crap, I don't remember where it is. I feel like it's in Rehoboth or something. Anyway, but there's Profile Rock and there's a an observation area there, and if you go and you stand in the observation area almost dropped my notebook if you go and stand in the observation area it looks like the profile of like a native american it has like the headdress and everything cool so that's really cool and then there used to be one called lady abington Mm -hmm. there was an abington and that one was destroyed by road building wow trashy god damn it so that one sucks that is so sad and i guess there's a couple other ones like throughout Obviously, Massachusetts and New England, but those are, like, the two big ones. And then there's a whole bunch of perched rocks, which those are, like, a really, like, really weird thing, honestly. Mm-hmm. And you'll, like, randomly encounter those in the woods. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we say perched rocks, for anyone who hasn't heard that term, it's literally, like, a rock that it looks like it's impossible for it to be situated the way that it's, like, sitting. Or it's, like, perched on the edge of a cliff. Like, looks like it's about to fall. Mm-hmm. Like, so weird. <sighs> I didn't I didn't finish writing this one down. I actually meant to. 
but there's another rock called Anawan Rock. Anawan Rock? Yeah. Um, and that one's apparently, it's said to be super haunted because that's where one of the big disagreements between like Native Americans and colonizers happened and there was a big war and a lot of people died and... So that area is obviously really haunted. Mm-hmm. But my favorite one is Dighton Rock. Yeah. Which we keep talking about wanting to go visit. And I don't know if it's closed right now. I think the last time I checked it was closed. I don't know if it's still closed. But the big thing that people debate is like, what is it and who put it there? Because when you look at this thing, it's just like covered in all these crazy inscriptions and drawings and it's impossible to like tell what's what pretty much there are a few like faces that you can see but other than that it's pretty much just like random symbols and i guess uh the town i'm assuming put up this like pagoda type thing around the rock to protect it and they you know close it up and lock it which i think is great because obviously people are gonna go and try and fuck with it people are garbage yes let's go vandalize this rock and when you go into this little pagoda there's like four sections where they talk about you know the four ideas of where this thing could have come from and one of them is native americans obviously um i think i think like most people think that it was a marker for like a really important place for native americans and people would just come and write all kinds of random stuff on it and draw stuff on it. And um, I think that's like the main theory. Some people also think that it could have had a Phoenician influence, mm-hmm. which sounds weird. Um, I, I like want to read about these. I haven't read about them yet. Mm-hmm. So there's Native Americans, Phoenicians, Norse. They think it has Norse influence in it and Portuguese, which Portuguese actually makes a lot of sense because this area has a lot of, um portuguese population yes the phoenician and norse ones i don't really know about but it's really neat and you should look up a picture if you haven't done so already of dighton rock rock d-i-g-h-t-o-n i will have to spell that for you i forgot because nothing in new england makes sense yeah right um (laughs) when was dighton rock like discovered i guess i don't remember okay i would like to that's a good question though i'm curious Mm-hmm. No, I'm actually curious, too. At least 1690. It was discovered? That's, like, the oldest record of it. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it was moved to the museum in 1963. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's been. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. But the other thing I, th- I thought of, like, when I first heard of this thing is, like, if it was there for so long, I mean, I'm sure people could have, like, added stuff onto it over time. Like, it could have just been a bunch of different people. Yeah, um, it does say cultures. there was a drawing of it. So, I don't know. Weird. Weird. <clears throat> <laughs> it came out of the bathroom. came out of the Holy dark shit, bathroom out of nowhere. That scared the shit out of me. Sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. You're right. It just fucking came out of nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Out of the dark bathroom. Yeah, all the <laughs> like, lights are off in here now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. God damn it. All right. So, Dighton Rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, can you wait just like 10 more minutes to feed them? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Artemis. We're almost we done. We're almost, we're almost done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so I guess that's, uh... 
that's basically it. Um, oh, wait. I think there's actually one more. I think there's one more weird rock. Hold on. One more oh, weird rock? Yeah, this one's, this one's creepy. Um, so in 1916, there was a a woman, a girl that went missing named Evelyn Packard. I don't remember how old she was. And I guess she was going like canoeing or something. And she unfortunately didn't make it. And her body was found. And them finding her body actually led to the discovery of what is called Solitude Rock. (gasps) Oh, yeah. You remember this? Yeah. I'm going to read. I'm going to read it. So Solitude Rock has this really... It's like pretty beautiful, honestly, um, poem inscribed on it. And it's it's written in a really pretty, uh, I'm trying to find it. Solitude Stone. Oh, yeah, Solitude here it is. Solitude Stone. So it reads, oh, it's near Forest Street in West, in West Bridgewater. Was found near a missing person's body. Yeah. So it reads, all ye who in future days walk by Nuncatesset Stream, Love not him who hummed his lay, cheerful to the parting beam, but the beauty that he wooed. I feel like there's more. Yes, there's one more line. Yeah, it says, be this quiet solitude. Be this quiet solitude. And I don't know what the script at the bottom says. Oh, here it is. Oh, yeah, it's like J-Y-X-X-I-I. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's really like... It's very cool. It's really clean. Yeah. Well, I think they cleaned it up because there's like some images of it where it's like really mossy still. Oh, no. I mean like the, um, oh, the, like the, the carving. carving. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like it's really straight and like it looks like, it looks like a typewriter almost. Like it's like typewriter text. But yeah. So there's that. And that's the last weird rock. And I think that's, uh, it for part one of the Bridgewater Triangle. Yay. Thank you. That was great. And I love Bridgewater you're Triangle. You're welcome. You're welcome. It is um, one of the places that when it warms up, I hope we can go and um, investigate first. I would I would love for that to be the first place that we like physically go to. Me too. I would love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. All right. Want to talk? Want to talk? We? I do. And this week I'm doing something dumb. Oh, that was always allowed. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to do <laughs> weed horoscopes. Okay, I love it. <laughs> uh, the I'm stunning, into it. The stunning follow-up to my <laughs> Astrology 101. Astrology. <laughs> All right. Very fitting. Very fitting. We're just going to do a little from each one. And this comes from the website, stonerhoroscope.com. So oh. I did not write these. So thank you to the person who wrote these. Adora Zen. That's a cool name. That is a cool name. All right. So that's pretty cool. So, Aries, for you, a sativa-dominant hybrid would best match the attributes of the stoner Aries, excellent for matching the energetic, happy-go-lucky nature of Aries, yet cerebral tones to assist in responsible decision-making. Okay. That makes sense. Fire signs. (laughs) Yeah. Next, Taurus. That's me. No stoner bull should go through life without basking in the glory of refined cannabis nugs. Tangy, Dutch tree, and redheaded (gasps) stranger strains will bring out the snobby-sniffing can of sword in any stoner Taurus. Oh, damn. That makes me sound fancy as fuck. I also have some tangy (laughs) right now. 
That's why I like threw my hands up when you yeah, said dude. that. <laughs> so fucking called out. Very good. Very good. Very good. It's, it's a good strain. It smells very strange, though. Yes, I've had that flavor of vape before, and it's very weird. It's, yeah, it's, it's super weird. citrusy. It's weird. Yes. All right, Gemini. Cool. Oh, that's also me. Uh-huh. The flower power sativa dominant hybrid strain is perfect match for the busy, multitasking stoner Gemini. Creative and communicative excellent traits are excellent traits of this cosmic astronaut and the herbs they smoke. Damn. Remember how I said I, I prefer sativas? Yes. Yeah, so both of those check. All right. <clears throat> Cancer. These stoner crabs are also more likely to find... Stoner crabs? Yeah, I love that. It's so good. Okay, keep going. These stoner crabs are also more likely to find connectivity with their third eye through meditative smoke sessions. The mystical magic of the sacred herb can be honed and amplified by the stoner star sign. I feel that. I actually... The only way I meditate is when I smoke. So, I feel that. That makes sense. Leo. The stoner Leo has no sacred herbal strain to avoid or lean on. The courageous lion gains insight and empathy from meditative smoke sessions. On the rare occasion the stoner finds a sour mood, seek a solo session to see these from to see things from a higher perspective. All right, Virgo. The stoner Virgo is the perfect canna buddy to help solve a problem or organize an idea. And this kind Kush toker will always arrive on time to help a fellow cannabis companion. <laughs> Sorry, I said that very weird. Companion. No, that make that also makes sense. Yeah, man, that like that pretty much describes my brother. So, is your brother a Virgo? Yeah, man. Okay. His birthday's September eighteenth. Aha. So right in there. All right. Libra, ambivalence and indecision are the drawbacks of this people-pleasing stoner zodiac sign. There is no sacred herbal strain to help with decision-making, but perhaps this intellectual stoner could use more internal meditation with the sacred herb versus chatty contemplation cannabis. Self-confidence and deep connection with their inner voice may supply the harmony they seek. Yeah, what the fuck did you just say? You were like, yeah, the only way I can meditate is when I smoke. <laughs> yep. So... Something for me to think about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways. Scorpio. Be gentle with a stoner Scorpio when they enter your smoke circle. The oh, stoner yeah. Scorpio is guarded among bud-loving buddies, but they really open up once they become a close cannabis companion. All right. I know a few Scorpios. I've never smoked with any of them. I don't know anybody who's like a who has a Scorpio in like their big three. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've been friends with anybody that I'm aware of. Yeah, Scorpio. Anyways, we love all people. Okay, um, Sagittarius. <laughs> oh God, these are the worst. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Be forewarned: a cozy and comfy night with the sacred herb is not at the top of the stoner sags list. Pack a portable pipe because the eager Sagittarius will have you trekking the terrestrial plane in search of the next tall smoke circle. Weird. Okay. He's like, let's go. Honestly, <laughs> that doesn't really fit the couple of uh, sags I know, but. I was going to say, I'm not whatever. sure if I feel that one, but I have no idea. Both of them are homebodies. So I don't know. We'll see. If you're Sagittarius, let me know. Capricorn. 
Know thyself, stoner Capricorn. What you need is a cannabis tool chest of strains. Sacred herbal remedies for unique situations. Perhaps you should grab a deep indica strain for meditative moments of solitude or exercise and keep the sativa strain fresh for creative moments, climbing the economic ladder or late nights out with the canna crew. Damn. I have a little bit of Capricorn in me and I felt that one. (laughs) Yes. I was like, damn, I need my arsenal. See, that's the thing. You need multiple options. For multiple situations, that way you are always prepared. I agree. I feel that. <laughs> At least two ways to smoke, no matter what. Yes. All right. Aquarius. The Bubba Kush Indica Strain is a perfect match for the complex Aquarius. Large perspectives and elaborate concepts are not lost on this stoner. However, meditative smoke sessions with the sacred herb can ground the stoner Aquarius and help them to slow down to appreciate immediate surroundings. This person is a huge fan of meditative smoke sessions with sacred herb. Yeah. Which I agree with, so I don't have a problem with that. I don't either. (laughs) All right. And finally, PCs. Stoner PCs are great cannabis co-pilots for road trips and smoke spot adventures. These kind, acceptable creatures... Oh, adaptable creatures are capable of deep conversations, puff puff passing the joint, and fun-loving joy hot boxing the rig. Why do I feel like, why do I feel like that was read in Jeff's voice? (laughs) Who was a Pisces? Because that is him. Pisces, Pisces? 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 I don't know. Pisces, I don't know. Um, very That's wicked funny. Yeah. (laughs) So, um... I really like this person. Um, they also have a podcast, and they do oh, um, monthly horoscopes for every sign. So thank you again to Stoner Horoscopes for this lovely chat. Is the podcast called Stoner Horoscopes? Yes. Okay, I'm going to go follow it before I forget. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow, cool. thank you for sharing that. I loved that a lot. Yay, thank you. I feel like the stoner horoscopes are what we really need in our life. I couldn't agree more. I thought of that during my nap, and I was like, oh yeah, that's the one. The nap where I didn't sleep. Because <laughs> I was thinking about too many things. Taurus stoner horoscope? Cool. Neat. Yes, very neat. Very cool and also fun. Did you remember the thing from earlier or no? No. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) Well, uh, you can, as usual, find our website at yourbrainonweird.com. And that's where you can also submit your weird stories. We have an A Little Weird coming up. And I would love to have some fresh new stories for that. So you can send those in. And that literally includes anything weird. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you can also find our merch on our website and at our Tee Public site if you're interested in getting a shirt or something like that. Yeah! We have those as well. Shirt, sticker, mug. Yes! Yes! Yay! Oh, the other thing that might be on our website soon is Sam might do a blog post maybe on cold weather stuff. We should start using that blog section more oh, yeah. actually. Yeah. For random stuff like that. Yeah. I'm definitely, Yee. I can definitely write something up for that. Yeah, boy. And if you want to follow us on social media, the one that we use the most is Twitter. So just follow us at weird underscore pod. If you send us messages or tweet at us there, we'll get back to you 
pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. Yeah. Also, listen to our episode from last week. Yeah, holy shit. If you didn't ca- catch last week's episode, it was very good. We had uh, we had Tim Banal on the show to talk to us about uh, Flat Earth, and uh, we talked about like COVID and stuff like that, and it was a lot of fun. So you should go listen to that if you want some knowledge and laughs. Lots of laughs. L-O-L. Lots of laughs. <laughs> Lots of lols. Lots of lols. Lols of lols. <laughs> god damn it all right uh all right i'm done are you done (sighs) yeah i'm set okay cool thank you so much for listening to another episode of your brain on weird where we are always very weird and we appreciate you dealing with it yeah thanks but we don't apologize no this is who we are this is just who we are i'm jess and i'm sam and this has been your brain on weird your brain on weird that was beautiful thank you